this song. I couldn't remember what Hosanna meant. I had to look it up. I'm not, I don't speak Hebrew. Does anybody hear? <laughs> but it means to save. So what these people were singing was, Lord, save us. We're going to sing that again at the end, by the way. If we can get our team back up here when I'm finished with what God has laid on my heart today. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Norm Oberlin, the lead pastor here at The Hope, and I'd like to welcome everybody. Thank you for coming out on this wonderful day, wonderful Sunday, to worship the Lord. Hallelujah. What, what a joy, though, to have this freedom to be able to move about. How many went to the store yesterday? How many went and got gas yesterday? How many just stayed home and lazed around all day? You know, we can do in this country whatever we want to do within reason because we have that freedom. We're, we're a blessed people. And I, I'm just thankful that we have a beautiful church we can come in and uh, praise God together, sit here and listen to hopefully a good message. I guess you can be the judge of that. And then let him work on us. You know, we can't fix ourselves. Only Dr. Jesus can do that. And we all need some fixing. Hello? We all need some fixing. Last night, I, I, I don't know why, we, we got this Discovery Plus thing. And I, I saw the Beverly Hillbillies. Okay, you old people are laughing. Because it's old. It was black and white. And I, I'd never seen the first one. And I watched the first one, and I was just like, wow. Uncle Jed. <laughs> yeah. He actually said that in the first episode. So today, it is a kind of a special day. What, what day is it? All right, you guys. Uh-oh, I got to turn it on, that's why. I'm, I'm almost blaming John, see? Thank you, John. You're awesome, man. It is, it's Palm Sunday. And today, uh, as I share from God's Word, I hope that you're going to recognize some of the things the Lord wants us to learn from this passage. And I'm going to jump around a little bit in the Scriptures, but... Poke your neighbor and say, it's Palm Sunday. And by the way, Palm Sunday is... Security. Keep an eye on her. In two weeks, we're going to do water baptism. So I need your help. If you want to be water baptized, please sign up out at the guest service desk. If you're online and you could be here in two weeks in person and you would like to get water baptized, email me, norm at gaylordchurch.com and I'll make sure that you get everything online. But you have to be born again, right? You have to have trusted Jesus with your life, with your soul, with your salvation. 
And if that's you and you'd like to take that next step and make a public proclamation of your faith, we're going to do it right here in that wonderful, beautiful, uh, super extended horse trough that's laying over there. And we promise you, well, 90%, we promise you the water will be warm. I just want to give myself that little bit of edge in case. Because there was one year you just about had to join the polar bear club to get in it. But anyway, so this is the week, and I'll emphasize this again next week. And by the way, we're going to have something really special when we do this this time. Someone gave me actual water from the Jordan. Yeah, oh, Sea of Galilee. We don't want, we don't, sorry. From the Sea of Galilee, that's even better. So it's got all the, the, the minerals in it. And we're going to add that to the water. So it's like this much, but hey, it's the thought, right? Symbolic. Hallelujah. All right. With that, I'm going to pray. <laughs> Woo. Lord, this is, this, these are your people. Hopefully I'm one of them too. I include myself in there. We need you. Holy Spirit, not only do we need you, we want you. We want you to take up residence in us, in our spirits. And today, Lord, we just ask that you would guide this man, that I'd preach real well. Lord, that the message would take root. And Lord, it would bear fruit for some time to come. And again, to you be all the glory and all the praise when everything is said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I want you to understand. Together, we're going to look at some symbolism, if you will, uh, things that have become associated with this, this, this holiday. There we go. That's actually the title. The Messiah is coming. Do you know that's what Palm Sunday is all about, right? Yes. The Messiah is coming. Woo! The Messiah is coming. And when I, when I first started this message, I was like, oh, another Palm Sunday message. And I almost went somewhere else, and the Lord said, no, that's where I want you to go. Do you realize the Messiah is coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going we're gonna to definitely look at this more. All right. But what I want you to get is the context. What, what does Palm Sunday mean? What, what were all these things that the people did uh, before Jesus entered the city? Now, cr Christian tradition suggests that this is five days prior to his crucifixion. The Bible says that, that Jesus died five days later on that wonderful cross. I say wonderful because what did it mean for us? Salvation. Yes. But those people weren't thinking about a crucifix. They weren't thinking about Jesus hanging on it either. 
Behold, the king of the Jews. That wasn't what they were thinking. In their mind, they were thinking, here comes the king. Do you know that there are over 300 prophecies? Over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that allude to or directly speak of Jesus coming, or not Jesus, but the Messiah coming, God sending a Savior. What's the, what's the chance of, of any of those coming to pass? You'd be more likely to get hit by lightning and win the lottery in the same day. Not that I'm not promoting lottery. Probably should have used that one. 300. 300. Look at your neighbor and say, 300. It, it's unthought of that all of these could come to pass. And yet they did. Most of them were, were predictions or prophecies that were given almost 700 years before he rode in on this colt. Only God could do that. When people say the Bible's just a bunch of faith in it. And it's miraculous. Only God could do this. Alright? So this is where we're at. The Hebrew name, Messiah, was actually translated uh, to read Christos or Christ, and it means what? What? Anointed. Anointed one. Thank you. And the Christos is actually the uh, Greek re rendering. The Messiah is, uh, or Messiah, is the Hebrew rendering. So Jesus' name, it, it was actually kind of a nickname, the Messiah part. So Jesus was often called. Jesus the Christ, or Jesus the Anointed One, specifically. How many would admit that Jesus was anointed? And what did the palm branches have to do? Have you ever held a palm branch? <laughs> you want that thing to scrape across you? No, they hurt. Yeah, they're real thick. Uh, they have... The, rough edges on it and when we were in Florida when we had a place down there man when you got around those palm branches you had to be careful because they could really hurt you and yet they've always had this special significance in the Near East ancient Near East where they used them as kind of a a royal treatment if you will all right it, it's almost like if royalty were coming in here, they might roll out a red carpet for them. Or the president, or maybe at a wedding, the bride, they roll out that white carpet. It's similar to what they were doing with the palm branches. When they laid them down, what they were saying is, here comes the king. So all these people were excited about this. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. I mean, you can get a crowd worked up when the king's coming into town. And it didn't take much. The other thing that it symbolizes is when they waved them, they were actually saying in a symbolic way, 
Victory is yours. You have triumphed. They also looked at this king as bringing peace and prosperity, longevity. So as they waved those, and I'm just giving you a little introduction before we actually read the text, but I want you to understand what these people were doing. They thought Jesus was going to be the king of Rome in the world. They weren't thinking he's coming to hang on a cross. Uh-uh. They'd heard these over 300 prophetic words given. They knew them because they knew the scripture. And in their hearts, they're thinking, this guy's coming to deliver us from this terrible Roman government. <laughs> Surprise! Matthew 21. You can turn there if you have your Bibles with you while I sip on some water. Matthew 21, 1 through 11, that's my main text today. But as I said, I'm going to jump around a little bit. I do have it up behind me if you don't have your sword with you or you just want to read it. Uh, the NLT is the version I'm using. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage. And I looked this one up. Bethphage. And what Bethphage was is, is like a suburb of Jerusalem. So kind of like Mishuay or Lakes of the North would be, that's what Bethphage was. All right? And as they came in, oh, by the way, it was on the Mount of Olives. And as they came in, these people were just hooting it up, all right? Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there. I don't know where that is. Go into the village over there. And as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them. And now we're going to watch a short little video. I'll be right back. Some of you are saying yes. Others are sitting here going, hmm? hmm? Who else can you trust if not the Son of God? I want to go back to the Scriptures. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Israel, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. This is one of those Old Testament quotes. And Jesus was fulfilling it at this very moment. Can you get excited about that? Hallelujah. Jesus is the fulfillment of Scripture. Jesus is the fulfillment of what Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and all the other prophets were saying. The Messiah is coming. God has a plan. 
and it's not to leave you in darkness your whole life. Now listen, I'm the first to admit we've got a lot of darkness around us. But that light of Jesus shines so much brighter, or it should, in each and every one of us here, in the church at large. Our faith should be so bright that people can see out of their darkness and find their way to Jesus. This crowd that had gathered, they came to honor the king because they thought he came to rule them. The Messiah is coming. The Jewish people had heard these prophecies again over 300 and they knew in their heart that this was going to take place eventually. Why were they so excited? Why were they there to honor him? Because they felt he was going to deliver them from their enemies. They felt that he would bring them everlasting peace. They felt that he would bring a prosperity that they so desperately needed. Let's look at just a few of these prophecies. Isaiah 7, 14, and by the way, these were fulfilled, this one was fulfilled in Matthew 1, 23 and Luke 1, 35. All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Did these people realize this? That the very Son of God had just entered their city. No. They really didn't. Isaiah 8.14 This uses a little different language, but it's talking about the capstone or the cornerstone of the building. And it says, He will keep you safe, but to Israel and Judah... He will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall, and for the people of Jerusalem. Now listen, Jesus came for the Jew first. He said that. I came to minister to the Jews. However, there were many Jews that did not receive this gift from God because they they had a concept or an image of who this was supposed to be, and he wasn't the same person. Isaiah 9, and this is one of my favorites. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called, say this with me, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And his government and its peace will never end. Have we seen this yet? Keep that in mind. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord's, Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Now what I wanted to point out here was this discussion about the Lord's army Again, these people are expecting Jesus not just to come alone, not just to come in with 12 disciples, but to come in with an army. 
That's what they were planning on. Now I'm going to jump to Luke 2, 25 through 35. And again, I want you to remember this. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So here we have this holy man named Simeon. And that's really all we know. He was a devout Jew, but God had showed this man that Jesus was coming. And you saw this, that he would not die until he witnessed him coming. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your what? Salvation, which you have prepared for who? All people. Those are my highlights. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and He is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about Him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. Again, He's referring to this capstone. Those who put their trust in Jesus, they will be saved. Those who don't, it will bring agony to them one day. As a result, the deepest and a sword will pierce your very soul. Ah, Jesus. Jesus. Simeon was given a preview of what was to come. And he accurately described what Jesus would do. Not only while he walked this earth, but even after he was killed, buried, and resurrected. Still today, Jesus causes many, their hearts stir, sometimes in the wrong direction, because they don't want to believe in a Savior. They'd rather believe in what they can do for themselves, what they can discover on their own, rather than putting trust in someone else, because we are so independent. But Jesus didn't come for the independent. He came for the dependent, for the broken. We can't fix ourselves, but He can fix us. You see, we have this major issue with us. It's called sin. And we can't get rid of it. You could scrub your whole body in Clorox bleach and you'd still have all kinds of it. I don't recommend doing that, by the way. Jesus, the Messiah. 
the Savior of all. You know, something interesting as I was going through this, and I've heard this a few times lately, how many blame the Jews for hanging Christ on that cross? You don't have to raise your hand. It's pretty easy to do, isn't it? After all, didn't they do it? Well, you see, here's the thing. Yes and no. This crowd that was cheering him on when he was coming into town, they loved him. They'd witnessed his miracles. They'd seen how loving he was. They'd heard the wisdom coming from his lips. They sat under his feet while he gave that sermon on the mount. And then he fed everybody with a few fish and a couple of loaves of bread. Huh. They really thought this was the Messiah. And they weren't there to hang him on the cross. So what happened? Five days later, what happened? He went from being their king, the Messiah, to this. What happened? Well, let me tell you what happened. There was an elite group of Jews. We call them the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the high priests. And they were threatened. Their very ministry to the people was threatened because they couldn't do what this guy did. These were the same men that just a few days before watched Jesus deliver a man who was blind, deliver him from demons. And what did they turn around and say, Mary? He's got a demon. Wrong Mary, but fine, that's fine. (laughs) We just talked about this the other day. They said, Beelzebub. Instead of giving the glory to God, they attributed this great miracle to the devil. These are the men that in the middle of the night, which was illegal, but they did it anyway, they went and they arrested him, and from there, you know the rest of the story. Good Friday happened. Good for us, not for him. Hallelujah. It wasn't this collection of people who were waving the palm branches that put him on the cross. It wasn't them. It was the Father who sent him to be crucified. Not only was it the Father who loved us so much that he gave his only Son, but It was Jesus' choice to go forward to that cross. Hear this. He was 100% God and 100% man. He could have called legions of angels from heaven to take him away. One has to wonder if he might have thought of that when he said, Father, 
If this cup can pass, but not my will, yours be done. Hmm. Jesus allowed himself. Why? Why? Because he loved us. And he wants you and me to be with him forever. Finally, it was our sins that kept Jesus on that cross. There's nothing else that would have done it. His love for us and our sins kept him on that cross. Thank you, Lord. The past, the present, and the future. For all mankind, he suffered and died that we might be saved. That's the kind of God we serve. The tension. Think about this. What would Jesus have felt while he was riding in on this colt? All these people were, Hosanna, Hosanna. What would he have felt? Maybe a little bit of encouragement. However, and, and, and again, I thought of this this last week. Apprehension. Think about it. If any of you ever had to do something really difficult, maybe it was uh, public speaking or go before a judge or something like that, and you knew the day was coming, well, how do you feel before you get there, before you do it? You're like... Right? It's scary. Imagine Jesus coming in on that little colt. All the people cheering. And he looks in. What do you think he saw? That cross was coming at him at light speed. As much as he probably would have liked to have taken in the praise I think in his heart and his mind, he's thinking, five days from now, I'm going to be up there. It's coming at him at light speed. And yet he didn't turn around. <laughs> he didn't say no. He said Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Back to the main text. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the ground. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, shouting, Praise God for the Son of David! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Praise God in highest heaven! Oh, I 
can't imagine what it was like. <laughs> the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. As I begin to wrap this up, picture the crowd of people praising him. Their Messiah, their Savior. Soon, they were thinking, the Lord will deliver us from our enemies. <laughs> but sadly, the Lord's army never came. And this Nazarene didn't rise to the top of the government to set them free. At least not the way they expected these prophecies to be fulfilled. What the Jewish people didn't understand was that Jesus did not come to destroy their enemy Rome. Rather, he came to destroy man's enemy, sin. They were baffled by it. Looking ahead to Good Friday, we see that Jesus went to the cross, was buried. And many thought would stay there forever in the grave. <laughs> but unlike all other gods, Jesus was resurrected from the dead. He's alive! We're going to celebrate this next Sunday, by the way. And, and just to throw this out, next Sunday is going to be a family service, and we're going to, we're going to do some shouting in here. We're going to have some fun in here, and we're going to give him the praise. But until then, Jesus, who now holds the keys to death, he's alive. And he can give us what we need so desperately, and that's deliverance from sin. Let me ask you this. Are you expecting your Savior? You know, these people were expecting him so much so that they came out and they worshipped. They brought their palm branches and they honored him like, like a king would be honored. And my question to you is, are you like those people? Now you know the difference. You know why Jesus came. Yes, he's our Messiah, our Savior. But he, he didn't come at that time to bring his army. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the very influence that sin has on you and on me. And he did that. He achieved the goal. 
And hear this. <laughs> there is a time coming soon when he is going to be coming back. All right? First, according to how I understand the Bible, first it's to take the church up with him. And then after the marriage supper of the Lamb, after a time of rejoicing and rewards being handed out to his people, then he's going to return with his army. And the enemies of God are going to be standing there to do battle with him, and he's going to speak a word, and it's going to destroy them. We aren't going to have to. We aren't going to have to lift a sword. We're just going to witness it, and then he's going to set up his kingdom for a thousand years, and he's going to show us how it should have been done to begin with. We call that the millennium. But in the meantime, we sit here thinking, "Where is he?" Let me say, he's coming. He's coming. If you understand Bible prophecy, you've got to recognize that he's coming. And he's coming soon. Tomorrow, I don't know. Ten years from now, I don't know. But I know this, he's coming. And you and I, we must be ready. Expecting your Savior. Father, we we stand together today. Would you stand with me? We stand together today as a broken people who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You paid the price, Lord our sins. We don't have to. All we have to do, all that's required of us is to put our trust in you. To believe you're coming back for your church. So I want to ask everybody who's within hearing of my voice, are you ready? I hear a lot of yeses online. Are you ready? If Jesus were to come back today, would, would you be one of his? Would you go up with him? Or would you still remain here? Because it takes faith to believe and you have to put your trust in him and what he did on that cross. Messiah, he died for you and for me, for our sins so that we could be washed clean. Our sins aren't looked at anymore. When God looks at us, he sees Jesus' righteousness over us. He doesn't see our sin anymore. But you've got to put your trust in him. You have to if you want to be saved. So I would ask, with everybody here, if you know that you need to make a decision for Jesus today. You need to either repent of your sins or invite him to come into your heart for the first time. Would you just lift a hand up now so I can see and acknowledge anybody here? 
Hallelujah. Yes. Anybody else? Others? Hallelujah. And I'm believing, I'm believing there are people on the other end of this tuned in right now that you need Jesus. You lift your hand up right where you're at right now. I want to pray with you. Hallelujah. Would everybody here, would you just acknowledge this by praying with me if you're born again already? Heavenly Father, forgive me of my many sins and make me new. I put my trust in you. You went to the cross for me. You were, cru you were tortured crucified and they put you in the grave but you didn't stay there you came out of that grave and I believe it and when you came out you were the first fruit of many who would one day be resurrected and I want to be one of them my name to the list, Lord. Now help me to live for you all the days I have left to be a light in this dark world. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Can we sing that song again, Mary? And then I'll close.
Lord, there's an expectancy in this room in your people that you are coming back for us. And whether it's today, tomorrow, next Sunday, may we be expecting that. May our lives show it. Lord, may we become sacrifices in your hands, sacrifices of worship. Our lives, Lord, may they represent what you want to do in this planet, on this planet, in this world today. Those who have been broken, Lord, we pray you bring healing to them. Those who have just given their hearts and lives to you, Lord, I pray that you would miraculously fill them with your Holy Spirit. pray that gifts of the Holy Spirit would be released in this body of believers, Lord, whether here or online, that words of knowledge would be given, prophecies, Lord, prophetic utterances. We pray that the gifts of healing would be released in this church, that like Jesus, like the apostles, Lord, we would be able to go out and, and to do the things that you did. Pray for people and they will be healed in the names of in the name of Jesus. And God, between now and, and next Sunday, what what we have called Easter or Resurrection Sunday, may our influence be strong, Lord, as God's glory goes with us. May our shadows wash over people and may they be healed. And from the lips of our little ones, may you ordain praise. Keep us safe as we travel this week. Those who aren't here that are traveling through Easter break, Lord, just keep them safe. We love you. We commit our people into your hands. Until we meet again, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.